Hi, I'm Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Gromos, and welcome to episode 21 of the Daily Doha from the Back Peg. And this episode, I'm really struggling for a sponsor for this one. Yeah, I'm really struggling. I don't know if I'm a bit flat because Morocco didn't get through. I'm not sure, Nathan. Have you got one? Allez la bleu. Allez la yeah, bleu. Yeah, that's boring. That's it bo- is. That's boring. We had that last week. We can say that. Look, I've got an idea. How about let's say that this episode is brought to us by the people of Buenos Aires, Paris, and Casablanca. Beautiful. So many great scenes. The Buenos Aires uh, drone footage has been incredible. Oh, it has. It has, yeah. And you just see it slowly building up and then it's just pandemonium at the end. And it's amazing. And similar scenes in Morocco, in Casablanca, and... Yes, they sent over 50,000 extra Moroccans to Qatar for this game, but that had no impact on the on the scenes back home. Yeah, no, that's true. But the crowd as well, the, the noise of the crowd during the game was just incredible this morning. Oh, it was. There was, was 55,000 out of 70 capacity. It was just all Moroccans, and the whistles came through so loud on the coverage. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Brilliant. It, it, it makes you wonder that, um, like, Morocco have gone to host the World Cup for how many times and they've been knocked back. I think what this World Cup has shown is that there should be a World Cup in North Africa. Why not give it to Egypt, Tunisia and, and Morocco? Yeah. It's seeming more and more like a, a viable option now. That, uh, not that you have to do something on the world stage to make yourself in the, in the frame to host something, but it's put the spotlight on Morocco in a good sense, this tournament, and why not? Why not? As we were saying earlier, the World Cup should go to all parts of the world, and why not North Africa? I think a likely thing, if they did the bid with Portugal and Spain... See, that makes sense. Yeah, see, that one makes sense. That bid included Morocco instead of Ukraine. I think I could get behind that bid, but they've gone in a different direction, and I think Morocco are looking to throw something together with maybe Algeria and Tunisia. Okay. Well, see, that, that's, that's good. So why not Morocco, Tunisia, and Algeria? You could have a cross-continental one with, I guess, because um, I know that, see, Greece and Egypt make sense with the Mediterranean in a way because the travel's not too far and you could throw Italy in there and <clears throat> you could throw, you know, uh, Tunisia in there and do something of that nature if we're going to go with more nations. But Greece, Egypt and Saudi Arabia does not make sense. <laughs> no, I think if you swap Saudi Arabia out with Turkey, that would be a decent World Cup. Yeah, it would be. It would be. Not, they're all relatively close. Yeah, that's right. And the thing is that you've got FIFA actually, from the, this World Cup on, you've actually got FIFA taking on the organisation of the World Cup, not a local organising committee. So, yeah. So, there you go. That's something interesting of uh, to note. Um, yeah, I guess we're feeling a bit flat today because, unfortunately, uh, Morocco, the romance story is out. And, yeah, and the French showed their true championship colours and, go through to defend their title and credit to France. But, geez, this Morocco side had it all up against it, you know, even you know withdrawals at just before kickoff after the warm-up. It's yeah, – they were battling battling this whole game from the very start and the Champ masterstroke give Morocco the possession and Morocco just couldn't score. Morocco just couldn't get that final ball – into the box to, you know, to have clear shots on goal. So the French were amazing with their scrambling defence. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's one point that I wanted to bring up 
about the possession of this game and looking at the final, Argentina against France. These are two sides who, by all right, decide what they want to do with the ball in most of the games that they play. They have the better players, the better midfield, and they can dictate how much of the ball they actually want to keep and hang on to. It's these two teams, though, from this World Cup, they've been happy to surrender possession and sit off in for, for large periods of the game. And France did that perfectly this morning. Yes, Morocco had some chances, but France, they defended well, and they held out for their clean sheet and hit Morocco on the break. They gave the Moroccans a taste of their own medicine this morning. Yeah, they did. And Argentina, very much the same. They sat off in, at times, and they soaked up pressure, and it's a different tactical perspective for this tournament because the last few, it has been possession-based, and maybe we're entering a new phase of football where big teams are happy to sit off and sort of suggest to the small teams, okay, what have you got? Can you break us down? Can you score against us? Mm. Yeah, it's because they have the quality to go forward and break and and be able to put them uh, their opponent on the back foot. Yeah, it's an interesting perspective, that. And it could be a trend going forward where you do see the so-called considered weaker team have the bulk of the possession. Jeez, I hope I don't know what to make of this final come Sunday, but uh, should we um, cover off what else we thought about this game? Because I thought Morocco did very well given the circumstances. It must have been very unsettling to have, um, you know, after the warm up, you know, withdrawal. Okay, going down. Yeah, you have Saiz come off after twenty minutes. It, you know, you could tell he was struggling, and uh, it, the, you know. What do you do in this case if you're Walid Regragi? If you do, you say, "Look, I'm going to give you the benefit of that." Obviously, he did right because he's he's the captain of the side. But I just think that management there should have just stepped in and said, "Look, you're not fit. We can't risk it. We'll go with whoever we've got in the squad. Whoever's fit to play, and that's it." Because if Giroud scores at two uh, with that opportunity that hits the post, yeah, Morocco had no chance of coming back in this game at all. So, and, and you know, the game would have been over within 20 minutes. Yeah, we were saying yesterday that are these Moroccan players being pushed through? Are they actually fit? And we did get our answer this morning and quite clearly Auger was not fit to play. Neither was Saez. And I don't think Masraoui was fit either. He came, he came off after the halftime interval and his replacement uh, offered a, a bit more going forward for Morocco. And yeah, it's an interesting thing because this side... The players that were sort of pushed through to try and get something out of, they're the ones who led this team to this point. And it, it would have been sad to leave them out, but perhaps perhaps the, the first goal doesn't happen if you uh, don't start the players who weren't fit. Yeah, that's right. A hundred percent. Because you saw with that ball that um, Varane played through, you know, it just left Saiz exposed. Once the defender went to ground, Griezmann just got through him. Saiz was exposed. And then... You know, like it was only a matter of time, but obviously Mbappe had his hand in the, in the goal as well. And look, great great skill by Hernandez to actually keep that ball down. He hit, he connected with that ball so high, and to be able to just guide it into the net, you know, gave France the perfect start. And we saw something that we hadn't seen all tournament. Morocco went behind, so this is a bit of a game of firsts actually today because Morocco first time they conceded a goal that from an opponent and went behind in a game and the first clean sheet from France. And their defence, like their scrambling defence, was incredible. 
you know, the lines were so compact. It was just, it's just incredible to see, you know, and it, it might serve as a warning for Argentina uh, come Sunday, actually. Yeah, very interesting. I think Canate is going to go down as my player of the day for today. I, you stole my thunder there. I agree with you. Hundred <laughs> percent. He had a brilliant game. Brilliant game. And he's only in the side because there's some doubts over Urban Meccano. But I've always thought, even when they're both back at Leipzig, that Canate was the better player. And Urban Meccano, yes, he's a Bayern Munich and yes he's he's doing well, but I have always liked Canate and he showed why today that he's a brilliant defender and really he should be playing more games at Liverpool, but that's by the by. Today he was brilliant and so was Varane his central defence partner, and they have a chance to, uh, or Varane anyway, has a chance to win the second World Cup in a row. And you mentioned the defence there. Yes, there was a good scramble, but they are also opened up fairly easily by Morocco. And look, just looking ahead to Sunday, I do think Messi is going to have a field day with this uh, French left-side left, left side defence. I think you're right there. If they if they stand off and play... I think think we can agree that they played. Uh, the French decided to resort to a low block in the second half, right? But there was space in there for the for Zayich. Zayich was always finding space. Now Messi hugs that space, right? So the ball will get out to Messi, and they can't afford to give him the kind of space that they gave Hakimi and Zayich. I thought Hakimi actually played pretty well, to be fair. Yeah, he did for sure. He's he's uh, going to be, I think, a lock for team of the tournament in his position. I agree. He's, he's been brilliant this entire way through. And maybe we'll go through and do a team of the tournament after Sunday and we'll uh, come up with an, a sort of an agreed 11 type deal. And Oh, we could disagree. Oh, we can disagree. We can have some <laughs> debates. But yes, Hakimi was brilliant. Morocco. I, I also think removing Enesiri was a bit of a mistake. He wasn't getting service there, Nathan. Yeah, but that's not on him. No, it's not. It's not. And I think if you have an emissary on the pitch for those chances at the end that uh, uh, Hamdallah missed or didn't take, I think Enesiri scores. My problem with Morocco in this game was, I mean, and they've worked so well during this tournament, right? But they got to the byline and the balls that they're playing are going across the six-yard line instead of actually to a late runner in, coming from midfield into the box because that's where the space is, right? Yes, France uh, sitting back and, and, and scrambling in numbers, but you hit a shot at with pace. None of those attempts actually really troubled Lloris, aside from in the, in the first half. So if you've got the space there and you're running onto the ball and hitting the ball with force and speed, we've seen some absolute great shots in, in this World Cup, but there was no attempts, if you think about it, there's no attempts from between the penalty spot in the edge of the 18-yard uh, box in the second half for Morocco. And yet there's space there to be taken up for a late run. And that's where the issue is. Because there's no point in fizzing a ball across a six-yard uh, line where there's defense and and your attackers your attackers are running to that space. Like, obviously, attackers are trying to run at the near post and at the, ba- and at the back peg. But they can't. you can't get the ball through that defense. So you've got to play the ball in the space. And that's the criticism I have. I do echo what you're saying. And Anahi had a good game, but perhaps he could have done a little bit more in the final third, got a little bit more forward. And some of the opportunities he had, he he didn't really take them too well and spooned up over the bar. And uh, they just didn't fall for him correctly. And there was some opportunities. For, there was some opportunities for Morocco in this game, but they just weren't able to take him. And 
it just shows the level of quality that you need to beat the world champions and that's the task that is set for Argentina on Sunday. So there's an element of that where you just said there too, Nathan, which is right. It didn't fall for the Moroccans either, but you've got to play the ball in the areas where there's, uh, where there's space that, that can be created. And that's where, like my point was about the cutting back from the byline. But two chances for France and, oh, sorry, not two chances. There were more chances for France, but the two goals for France were somewhat messy. You know, they weren't clear cut. Um, chances, you know, there's ricochets and you know, deflections, and and uh, France just took those chances, and that's all they needed. Yeah, three shots on target, two goals for France. Uh, you could say that efficient, and we should talk about the uh, the the brilliant moment for the second goal scorer, Colin Mawani, off the bench and onto the score sheet. Forty four seconds later, <laughs> oh, s- sign me up for that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, if you put yourself in that position. Uh, and Bappe can do the rest. No, that's right. Absolutely. Correct. Correct. I, I was going to say, I think there's a legitimate claim for a penalty there for Morocco in the first half because you've seen other ones given like that as well. Where, But the foul's actually gone to Hernandez and the yellow card's gone to Safal, but I think it could have easily gone the other way. Yeah, they could very well have gotten that. It could have gone the other way, but uh, not to be. And yes, it, I don't know if Morocco will go home with a sense of a missed opportunity from this game because they did play valiantly. They put in so much into this effort today and this tournament, of course. What are your thoughts? Do you think it'll go down as a missed opportunity or is this something that they'll reflect on and be highly proud of? I think they'll reflect on it and they will be proud of it, but they will say that it is a missed opportunity. And if they played that game differently, perhaps, perhaps, you know, the result could have been different. I just think that Deschamps has shown strategically how good he is. I think he's I think he's much derided. And look, there's a lot of there's a lot of weight in that derision, right? Because you look at this team, this French team, right? And they've got talent up to their ears. He tends to put a handbrake on them as well. And I'm not just saying that as a fan. I'm just saying, look, they do play within themselves very well. And that's what they did today. And he told and there's no doubt that he told them to sit back, absorb the pressure, give them the ball, have them in front of you wherever possible, and we'll ride this one out and we'll sneak a goal here and there. And that's basically what's happened. And he's through to a second World Cup final uh, as a coach, which is, um, you know, which is incredible. Now, he's derided because there are other coaches like Zidane, for instance, who are waiting in the wings, who, you know, who have a different uh, philosophy. And people are wondering what the French side will look like under Zidane should he take on the job. See, it's interesting, this this debate that how should your national team be playing? And we see a lot of the same criticisms for England. We see a lot of the same for Portugal as well, that teams are, to use your word, uh, being played with a handbrake on and just being perhaps not as dominant as they could be in these matches because all these teams have brilliant players and they could go out and have 60, 70, 80% of the ball and a few shots and they win 2 or 3 nil. I think if you play that against Morocco this morning, it plays into their hands. And that's how they've got this far. Teams just, I don't know if they underestimate Morocco, but they just keep a lot of the ball. They try and break them down. And there's just so much space for Morocco in behind. I think Deschamps played a blinder today in terms of his tactics because it worked brilliantly. And they were able to, yes, only have three shots on target, but they had many more opportunities on the break that didn't quite pan out. And Mbappe was looking dangerous every single time France got the ball. Every single time he looked dangerous. 
And how he didn't end up the score sheet is uh, quite surprising. But he created the second goal. Whether he meant to or not is a different question, but he did create it. And he uh, he was lethal today. So that for mine, Deschamps does deserve credit for this win today. Yes, a lot of the credit will go to the players. As we mentioned, Canate, Mbappe, Griezmann will get lots of credit. But Deschamps deserves some of his own. Yeah, we're all aware of the Clairefontaine uh, School of Excellence with regards to uh, the French Football Federation and and the programs that they've put in for development of elite players and elite coaches for that matter. And coaching doesn't necessarily just have to be, you know, two or, f- two or three systems. Deschamps is a coach that actually looks at each opposition in isolation and comes up with a different game plan against these uh, opponents and he has the players with the tactical nows to be able to execute. And it's just incredible to see. It really is. And it is interesting to see where international football goes in the next four years, whether we do see more big teams happy to sit off and surrender possession and try and hit teams on the break. Because all these big sides have pacey players. There's not too many teams at the highest level of international football that don't have quick, tricky wingers ready to exploit space. So maybe this is the next evolution of football. World Cups often do dictate how football is played at club level for the next few years. We've seen that many times down the years. And interesting to see how this uh, tournament shapes the world game moving forward. Nathan, to your point with regards to the evolution, I think that the evolution of the game is happening a lot quicker as well. And, and take up a different strategy is happening quicker because we're, we're able to watch the Premier League next weekend. Which is ridiculous. I'm, I'm not ready for the Premier League to come back. Me neither. But- <laughs> I'm happy to stay in the realm of internationals for 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 another month. Can we have another tournament? I know it's incredible, right? <laughs> but the Carabao Cup will be on next week this time. You know, so it just goes to show that it's a it's a, a moving feast, right? And that evolution of the game is happening at a rapid pace. So some of the things that you might see that you might see implemented during this World Cup, you will see in leagues across the world very quickly. But it will be interesting to see what the evolution of international football is, given that we've got uh, the continental championships happening very soon. You know, uh, AFC 12 months away, um, Euro and Copa America 18 months away. So you'll have a African uh, Nations Championship um, coming up very soon again. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in those tournaments. And then before we know it, North America 2026 will be here. Yeah, it is just thick and fast. And those three national teams that I mentioned, France, Portugal, and England, all three of their current managers might be out of the job by the time they next take the field. So interesting to see in what direction the those respective FAs go in as well, whether they want someone with a bit more front foot control in terms of their style. Interesting to see the Portugal looking at uh, Mourinho to come into the national team alongside his club job still at Roma. Mm. Yeah, I did say that. We'll see how that one uh, pans out. But, Laz, what else did you see in the last 24 hours? And Ronaldo's made himself available for Euro 2024. He's going to have to change the way he plays, I think. I had something that caught my eye off the pitch in the last 24 hours since we last recorded, and it was this post-match interview with Messi. And he was speaking to uh, Argentinian media, and there was a great message in there. And it was all in Spanish, and I've, I've seen a dubbed translation, and... It's just a beautiful message, essentially saying that you're already an inspiration to everyone back in Argentina. We don't need you to win the World Cup to be on that pedestal of a, leaving a legacy as a footballer. Uh, you're brilliant as you are, and 
just a message that takes some of the pressure off, I think. Messi, maybe he, in the in his mind, he thinks he needs to win this World Cup to have that sort of legacy, but just a, a nice warm message there that he's already a brilliant player. He's already done so much in the game, so much for Argentina, and a World Cup would be a fantastic cherry on top of a very illustrious career, but it's not absolutely necessary for him and his status as one of the greatest players of all time. Um, yeah, I agree with you by and large there. I do think he needs to win the World Cup, though, in order to just cap. And I'm not saying that to put any pressure on him, you know, not at all. My point is is that if he, if Argentina were to win this World Cup, that gets him out of the shadow of Maradona and definitely confirms his status as uh, the greatest of all time, I think. See, for mine, he's already there. He's already the greatest for me. I can't say that yet. And and the reason for that is, and, and it's nothing against the guy, it's it's more so I would have liked to have seen him actually go to other leagues. So I would have liked to, yes, Barcelona was great, brilliant, heyday, absolutely amazing player. But I would have liked to have seen him in a league that may not have, you know, that we may have thought won't suit his playing style. And we're talking about the EPL in particular. And... Yeah, I just would have liked to have seen how we would how we would have gone there because quality always rises to the top, and I've, I've got no doubt that he would have been an absolute success in the EPL. I just would have liked to have seen it, seen him do it at a different stage. I don't think you need to have played Premier League football to be considered a, a great player. No, but Maradona did do Maradona did play in Spain, did play in Italy, um, and Maradona was a different beast altogether, right? Um, and his successes were different of a different nature as well. So um, technically, you know, between the two, there's nothing in it really. But from trophies won and successes and things of that nature, this is the cherry that that uh, needs to be on the put on the top for Missy. And then there's no, you know, there's no, there's no argument about it then after that. So let's have a look at some of our teams to highlight from the two semifinals. And it is very harsh to label a team as a disappointment or worst team or perhaps getting a bit giddy to say the best team or the most improved or the most surprising team. All these teams deserve to be here and they're all they're all on such a level pegging. But lads, if you have to single out some teams, who would you say was your most outstanding? Argentina. I can't disagree with you. They were the best team from the semifinals. I think so. Although the yeah the French do scare me a little with regard to my World Cup pick, but yeah, Argentina. Yeah, that's still in play. You did say Argentina to win the whole thing, and yeah, one game away. Um, who was your big disappointment? Yeah, I don't know who to split. I think it's not necessarily a disappointment. I think a missed opportunity, and I think Morocco. That game was there for the taking for them, and they yeah injuries. Motion, I think it just got too much for them, unfortunately. Yeah, I might go the other way. I might say Croatia as a as a bit of a letdown. And as I say, that is harsh to to place a sort of label on a semi final team. But I was expecting them to make more of it, and they were a couple of goals down early doors, and they didn't really come to the party as much as Morocco did against France. So no, you're right there. Yes, it's harsh, but for me, they they are the closest to a disappointing team out of the four. The other sort of reward that we hand out is our standout individual player. I think there'll be no debates. It has to be messy across the two semifinals. Indeed. No, indeed. That's about all we have to 
handout in terms of these awards that we do at the end of each stage of the competition. Let's turn our attention to Sunday morning's game, the third place playoff, the bronze medal match, Croatia against Morocco. And straight off the bat, Laz, is there a lot on the line in this game? Does third place really matter? Mm-hmm. If you ask the players, yes. I'm sure they'd want to finish as high up as they'd want to. It's a question of who's fit. How many Moroccan players are going to be able to take the field? Because I, I think we'll get a good answer on how many of them are actually fit because I don't think the uh, the injured players or the the ones that are carrying knocks, I don't think they start in this game because third or fourth, there might be a little bit of extra prize money in there. You might get a medal at the end of the day, but there isn't really too much in it. It's not as big a deal as making the final. Of course it's not. So I think I'd be very surprised if you saw the likes of Mazraoui, Saiz, Aguerd, um, maybe Amrabat as well. I think you might see a heavily changed Moroccan lineup. No, I agree. And I think the Croatians will be um, uh, heavily changed as well. It will be uh, interesting. It, it won't reflect anything that happened in the group game, I don't think, anyway. No, that was a, a nil-nil where we got our first glimpse of Morocco and what we, we didn't know at the time, but what they were going to go on to do. And it was the same game plan back then where they sit, sat off and Croatia didn't have any answers for the low block. And Morocco tried to get going with the ball and hit into the space. And if I recall right, the, the, the tricky wingers that we have enjoyed watching since, the likes of Ziyech and uh, Buffal, uh, they had all right games, but they just couldn't get that final final cutting edge that they needed. And that, that one went down as a nil-nil. We might see the same scoreline again here. I hope not. Normally, these games are pretty free-flowing and... Um, uh Traditionally, there's a lot of goals in this game, so hopefully there's some goals in this one. It'll make it worthwhile to get up at 2 a.m. Well, I suppose the pressure's off. Oh, that's right. You can take take the handbrake off and go and attack the game and maybe uh, have a bit of fun at the end of the tournament. Uh, who do you see taking it out? Oh, a flip of a coin, really. Let's go Morocco. That'd be nice. To round it out. Round it out with a bronze medal. And already made history becoming the first semi-final team from Africa or... North Africa or the Arab world and make it a third place, not a fourth place. Why not? Back them in. Back them in. Go Morocco. Go and go and get that medal and bring it back home to Casablanca, return its heroes. Not that they wouldn't be anyway if they lose the match, but uh, have something tangible to take home and to go and put in a, in a national museum somewhere and you know, a marker for generations to come for Moroccan football. Yeah, no, it'd be good. It would be good. Absolutely. And then Monday morning, the big one, 2 a.m., Geez, FIFA haven't done us any favours here, have they? <laughs> no, no, they Seriously. have not. <laughs> what is the deal? 6am would have been the perfect time. Yeah, very much so. You know, but anyway, it is what it is. Yeah, I don't know why they play all the big games at 6am, Sydney time, in the knockout stages, but then you play the final at 2. Yeah, and I'm, I don't know, because the Europeans will watch it anyway. The European market will watch it, so... Why aren't you putting it on at 6 a.m.? Like, or 10, I think it's 10 p.m. Uh, Qatari time. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, I don't understand when the semifinals would have uh, raided their socks off. So there's no need, you know, across the world. So I'm sure that the the World Cup final, doesn't matter what time it is, it can be at 3 a.m. Qatar, people watch it, <laughs> right? So, yeah. But um, that's by the by. Argentina versus France. And you've got the golden ball win, uh, the potential golden ball winners coming out of this game and the potential golden boot coming out of this game. I don't know about the golden glove. 
uh, uh, potentially the Golden Glove as well. But we'll see. We'll see. It is all on the line. We'll talk about our predictions for the final. Golden Ball, Golden Glove, all that caper on Sunday following the bronze medal match. And uh, we'll look forward to your company then. Thank you very much for tuning in and having a, a sit down with us and talking about everything that we've seen from this morning's game. Thank you very much for your interactions on the socials and the reviews that you leave. We greatly appreciate it. And we'll speak to you on Sunday. I've been Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Gromos. Take care all. Speak soon. <laughs>